welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined by two wonderful Scoobies, fairy gay mother and editor-in-chief of Queer Media Matters, Dana Pickley, and wrestling aficionado and host of the Empire Diaries podcast, Latoya Ferguson. Get amped. And joining us today, we have special guest, author, and Tara herself. Oh, me, Amber Benson. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, it's me. Shoot, I got to talk. <laughs> um, it's so nice to have you back on the podcast. It is very nice to be back. I always <laughs> enjoy spending time with you. Oh, shucks. This is why you're my favorite. Oh, Amber, just wow. so you know, Ian, Ian forced me to be on the episode where you died, and I was very <laughs> upset about it. Man, you're so she was, mean. <laughs> I, I thought Dana would be a good voice to have on, you know, and Dana uh-huh. was not happy with me. <laughs> Dana and my mom. My mom feels the same way, Dana. Not happy. <laughs> good. My mother is also not happy about it, just so you know. <laughs> no mothers are happy about lesbian death. They're like, nope. No. We're no. keeping them all alive. <laughs> Screw the kill your gays. We're not doing it. That's what hey, that's what I've been trying to do for the last few years. Which I appreciate. You do such a good job. Yeah. Uh, so, Amber, I think you've given your Buffy origin before on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, but I usually have everyone give like a little bit of like their first experiences. Do you want to talk about maybe a little bit like just like your first, either any anything of like your first, like your first day on set, what you remember or anything part of your like origin of starting on the show? Well, I have to apologize now. We have a, um, I don't know what the, the, the grouping is, but we have a bunch of wild parrots that hang out in our neighborhood and I'm sitting outside. Oh God, no. and- a murder of parrots? <laughs> Yeah, so if you see, if you see, if you hear like some intense dinosaur like squawking, it's the parrots. So I apologize. Okay. Now. I see They're them also there. our special guests. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, the first episode I, I worked on was Hush. So my first experience was walking onto set and seeing the gentleman, which, oh. um, yeah, that's one of those things you don't forget. Um, you're like, I don't want to sit with them at lunch. I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> So walk, walking onto onto this this night shoot, and they were literally trying to figure out how to get the gentleman to float, and so they had these like like flat pieces of wood with wheels that they were using to like pull like these guys were pulling the gentleman along to make it look like they were floating, and it was taking some time and some effort, and and there was a couple of there were a couple of fails. So uh, my first night was was sitting there waiting for the gentleman to float. <laughs> so was your first scene that scene where they chase you uh yeah yeah sort of i think the first the first one i'm trying to remember now i feel like did we do the did we do like a must i was nighttime so i must have been chased (laughs) (laughs) i i i I can't remember i think so i think i was being chased but god knows there's so fair, many fair. episodes at all. Like it's like high school. Do you like you go back and you're like, wow, I don't really remember all the minutia, but I remember the feelings. <laughs> well, you know, so Hush is like widely considered the best episode of Buffy ever. Do you think that was because you were on it? Because I think it is. <laughs> wow, Dana, way to suck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, uh, you're getting yeah, you're gonna get some uh, some lovely flowers for me later. Um, <laughs> 
Well, like, uh, like what a pivotal episode to to be introduced as a character on. Yeah, I think what was so amazing about Hush, other than me, no, that's not true at all. It's not, <laughs> I, I don't think it's, I appreciate that. I, I think that I get to be a part of something really magical. And obviously, like, whatever whatever that character brought was an amazing, you know, like she, she did bring a lot to, to what was going on because she opened up a new side of Willow, which in that episode was really neat. They like hold hands and they move the vending machine. And, um, but uh, I think the reason it's so iconic is that so much emotion was, was on faces instead of verbal. And, and you just haven't, you just don't see that, you know, that's one of those rare things that, that I think, you know, Joss and company did so well. They sort of took took something that could have been really mediocre and exploited it in the best possible way and made it this amazing thing because they did it in their in their way, like on their terms. And there was so much emotion going on on people's faces. It just you can't help but feel, you know? You watch it and you're moved. Wow, I'm talking a lot. No, no, that's absolutely <laughs> no. Love it, love it. I think, I think, I, I don't think I've ever been able to talk to you about hush. So it's, it's nice to, to hear your thoughts on that. Also, can't help but feel is like me about everything all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of um, you want to talk, and you really had to like, you had to find a way to bring whatever you were feeling, and and that that's a different kind of acting. I mean. That is hard to do. That's why Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin and and uh, the, the silent film stars of their day were so impactful because they, they knew how to use their face to express all that stuff. That's a really good point. Uh, Amber, when we first met, I did the gush to you about Willow and Tara. How often <laughs> does that happen to you? <laughs> I mean... Do you that... see like a gay man coming up to you and you're like, oh, boy, <laughs> No, I mean, it's... it's... <laughs> the thing it's the thing that 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 is the most important to me about having been a part of that world is that that relationship transcended television and it became it became something that it's very emotional actually when you talk about it because you, you you know you know that there are people that that don't have a place to be who they are and to be able to watch a relationship on television and be, be like, that's, that's me. And that's a place. And like, there are people that accept those characters. They have their Scooby gang of friends who love them and, and are, are supportive of them. And, and that means that eventually I will find my crew. I will find my Scooby gang. And, and that's, that's a really incredible thing. And it just, it made Buffy, I think a better show. And so, yes, when, when, when people come up to me and it is a lot, it is something that I am so grateful for that I get to be a part of and that, that those relation those relationships that were created have helped people, you know, it's an important thing. It, it really is. Honestly, like I, yeah, <laughs> not to reiterate <laughs> what you said, but yes, I co-signed what you just said. And I'm glad that you're, I, I could imagine a different person being like, all right, I get it. <laughs> like it meant a lot to you. Just shut up. But you're not, you're so sweet. <laughs> What I think is so special about about Amber as like a person who has played an important role to fans is how how important and how well you treat fans. Like I've seen you interact with fans. I've seen lots of people interact with fans, but like the fact that you find a way to remember their names and like 
say their names when you're walking by them just, you know, in through crowds, like those little things mean so much to so many people. And I, that's a rare thing that I've seen you do that I haven't seen many other people do. Um, I've been at the end of the line, you know, I know what it's like to be a fan of something and have someone be a jerk to you to Mm. respect somebody and want them to be the thing that you've created in your mind that they are. And then you meet them and they're not. Um, and I think if you are any kind of empathic human being, you know, um, you feel what other people are feeling when you walk down the street, you know, and someone comes up to you and they say, this meant something to me, you feel their feelings. And so why would you ever want to hurt them? Like, ugh, that's the word, like the, that thing that people do where it's like, someone was a jerk to me. Now I'm going to turn around and be a jerk to somebody else, make myself feel better. It's just, it's asinine to me. It's like, once you've had that feeling, why would you want anyone else to feel it? It's just awful. Um, so in, in my mind, you treat people the way you want to be treated. I wanted to be treated well when I was standing at the end of the line. I wanted the person to have a connection with me and to like treat me like a fucking human. Excuse my French. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> poor French. Blaming the French for, for the way fun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I think just because you're a fan doesn't mean that's all you are. You're a person and this impacted you and it impacted me and we had a shared experience. If not together, then simultaneously. And I acknowledge that and I respect that. And there are people who I have met as fans who have gone on to do amazing things and they are way more important than I am. Do you know what I mean? Like you just don't know. You treat people the right way. Hmm. You know, I don't know that I mentioned this when you were on the podcast last time, but I wanted to tell everyone Amber was the first interview I did when I interviewed with BuzzFeed, <laughs> and I was nervous as shit. You and didn't you at Amber... all. You were great. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like freaking out. And Amber, you were just so nice and calm. My recorder wasn't working because the batteries I remember. had died. <laughs> you were just like, it's fine. It's okay. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And you were like, it's okay. It's cool. <laughs> It's technology. Feel, what are you going to do? You made me feel <laughs> so comfortable and like chill. And like for me, for the rest of that was the first Comic-Con I worked like as press. Oh, wow. And for the rest of the weekend, you know, not all my interviews were so nice, but <laughs> I felt more confident because it was like, oh shit, this like set the tone for the weekend for me. So like, okay, if other interviews don't go great, Amber Benson was the fucking sweetest to me. So now Aww. I feel like I'm more confident about it. Uh yeah, and I feel like that started me being more confident with like doing bigger interviews. And look at us now here on my podcast. I know I'm hanging out with also, you guys who are all awesome. That was six years ago. Wow. Gosh. <laughs> Stop it. Latoya, speaking of interviews, Latoya, I know that Ian and I have both had the chance to ask Amber our burning questions over the years. What what are what's a burning question that you want to ask her? Obviously, you've talked a lot about this role and like what it's meant to people over the years for, you know, decades now at this point. And I was thinking about it earlier. So when I first started watching Buffy, it was uh, reruns of season five. And so I, I, I really thought about it. I was like trying to rack my memory. And I think that Willow and Tara were literally the first lesbian couple that at least I understood what that was on yeah. screen. And... I it was it was so powerful. Uh, like I said, my mom was furious when you died. Uh, my family, I, I 
we we like I watched it with my mother and my two younger siblings, and we literally uh, cheered when we saw your like name in the opening credits and seeing red. Oh. So uh, you can imagine um, oh, how we felt at the, at the end of that episode. Um, so, yeah. So I just want to know you living through that yourself, you know, playing this character, wh- was there like a specific moment when you kind of realized, you know, that this relationship and this character would be so important to people uh, and in pop culture and just fandom in general? I think it wasn't until I went to my first posting board. Was it my first? Yeah, it was my, maybe it was the second posting. I can't remember which posting board party it was. But I remember going and so, so you know, this is all pre-social media as we know it. Actually, real quick, Amber, tell us what a poster board party yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so this is all pre-social media and uh, they had created – someone had created this sort of like virtual bronze. It was a basically a, a bunch of chat chat stuff. It was like a chat room where you could go in and talk about the show. And Joss and company were all the writers and produce everyone was very involved in this in this online community. And they would actually uh, they would encourage the actors to go in and chat with the fans. And they would like give you like a code so your name could be like, you know, like red or, or, or yellow. And that was like, no, it really is so-and-so talking to the fans because they, they have the code and they, their name has a, has a rainbow color to it. Um, and so uh, this group of, of, they call themselves bronzers. They, you know, this posting board community kind of put together a charitable event where uh, the actors would come and the fans would come and it would, it would be to raise money. And uh, it was a really neat experience. It was a bit like being, it was like being a celebrity, like walk in and everyone's screaming. It, it was really bizarre and <laughs> not, not a thing that I was, was, was super used to. Um, <laughs> and I remember this, this, somebody came up to me and they were very emotional and they were crying. And then I started crying. <laughs> and then Marty Noxon actually took me aside afterwards. She's like, look, this is a really important thing. And it's really emotional for a lot of people and you have to find a way to to um participate in it but not let it destroy you emotionally um which was like she was giving me this lovely sort of like piece of advice which is you know don't have idiot compassion where you're just like feeling everything everybody's feeling and it's just like out of control and it's kind of hurting you have compassion and empathy but don't let somebody's somebody's feelings destroy you. Like your job is not to save them. If they're having a hard time because of something in their life, you aren't the person that's going to save them. You can be there for them and support them and listen to their story. But you feeling destroyed because you can't help this person doesn't impact anybody in any way, shape or form. It doesn't help anybody. It's, 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 it's a useless thing. Having empathy isn't, but, but like feeling guilty that you can't save them doesn't help. Um, and, and that was, and I still, even after that, had a really hard time. I would go to, to, to conventions and to events and, and I would just feel everybody's feel like, you know, like it was just, it's so tough, you know, like we live in this, this systemically racist, sexist, you know, um, world where we, we don't want anyone to be different. We, we, you know, we're, we're, we're homophobic and transphobic and, and it's all fear-based and people are in horrible situations all the time. And it ha- it's happening right now as we speak. 
and to see a show say, hey, there's nothing wrong with you. You're wonderful as you are and you will find somebody and, and you will find love and you will find a, a, an acceptance and a group of people who, who love you, whether it's digitally or in person or in your family or your found family. Like that's an incredible thing. It's a powerful thing. And no matter what about the show that we want to like knock, and there are a lot of things to knock <laughs> about it, it's, a, it's of its time. The one thing that we have to remember is that the show stands on its own because it is a collaboration. It is not just Joss Whedon. It is Joss Whedon and hundreds of other people who gave their heart blood to make that show important and special and wonderful. And that's why the show resonates. You know, the actors, the writers, the crew, the post-production team, the pre-production team, the executive, the publicists, everybody involved, the fans, like everybody involved made that show what it is. And it has its flaws and some of the people involved in it have their flaws. But I have to remove all of that and say that it's it's a show that stands on its own because it did something. It didn't just it didn't just glorify things for glorification's sake to get people excited. It did it and it did it well and it did it real. Like Taryn Willow's relationship was real. It was about two people, not two ladies making out. Sorry, I got up on my high horse, but no, no, that's, that's that was refreshing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, yeah, Amber, you're making me emotional over here. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I told whenever I mean clearly, I talk about the show a lot. Whenever I talk about it, I always say that it's a combined effort of everyone involved. Um, there's like a, and this is totally cliche gay man of me to quote, but there's like a Chuck Palahniuk book. I forget <laughs> which book. I think it might be Invisible oh, Monsters. Yeah. At, least, at least it's the gay one. Um, <laughs> where it says like, I'm a combined effort of everyone I've ever met. And I always think about that yeah. in terms of the show. Like it's a combined effort of everyone involved. Yeah. Because uh, like, you know, sometimes shows can have good writing, but bad actors or vice versa. Like you can have bad writing and good actors that are like doing their best, but the script just isn't there. Um, and I think that's why the show worked because like you said, everyone involved was doing their best. And I, I, that especially at that time was very hard to come by in TV and especially in genre shows. Yeah. Agreed. Right. I mean, sometimes, and you know, this is a show that I love, but sometimes I'll revisit some of the old Star Trek and I'll be like, Ooh, this is rough. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a sexy candle for you, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the reason that like teenagers are discovering Buffy now, 20 years later, and and really falling in love with the stories and the characters and the whole shebang is it, it did. It had something special. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I think it really did. It really did. You know, um, I wanted to bring up a, earlier this year, I think, in the podcast, uh, Drew Greenberg had said. I love Drew. There's a, what a good egg. He's such a sweetheart. Such he a really good is. person. Adore him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said how, like, you know, he was new to the show in season six and how it was really important to him that, and this is something I hadn't even thought of, that he write Tara and Dawn as like Tara was like Dawn's loving aunt. Yeah. And it was like really important to him to show them being like intimate in like a family way of like Dawn can cuddle on Tara. And like he, he said how like that was like a big deal for him to get into the show and how all the writers and everyone was pretty supportive of that. They were like, yep, sure. Um, Cause there's a scene where like uh, Tara and Dawn are on the couch together and Dawn falls asleep, like cuddling on her. Yeah. And even something so little like that, 
as you know, a queer person, I didn't even realize that just that alone was a big deal back then. You know, I I think the thing we we forget is how powerful television is. We use it to sell detergent. Yeah. You know, like we like it, it goes into your home every week with a with a show that you feel like, you know, the people and in and in this country and other countries, there are a lot of people who live very insular lives and they don't know people of color. They don't know um, LGBTQ people. And for them, it's really easy to be like, I don't like those people or there's something not right about them or I'm judging them or whatever it is because you don't know anybody like that. You were not raised in a world where you knew people who were different than you. You knew a bunch of white Christian people who look just like you and behave just like you and want the same things as you. And so you have no experience. So when Tara and Willow come into your house every week and you're like, oh, that's what a lesbian is. I like lesbians. Look how sweet they are. They're normal. <laughs> they're just like me. Oh, my gosh. They're just – wow. I like lesbians. I want to have some lesbian friends. You know, like it changes people's minds because now they have a reference point. They have a friend. They have Tara and Willow who – I can't tell you how many times I meet people who are like, Tara. Like I'm Tara. <laughs> they're friends with Tara. Like she's a real person to them and they change like that mm -hmm. relationship changed it. Families like like Latoya saying you, you sit with your family and you watch this show. Well, imagine a family who doesn't know anybody who's different than them. And this changes them because of that. Like it, it it's powerful. You know, um, I was lucky. I grew up doing theater like you meet everybody when you're a kid doing theater, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> Gays were old hat to you by the time you were an adult. <laughs> they were the, the guys that I worked with on on plays in Alabama were the nicest guys, and like they were my friends. And and so to me, like this was like you want you want a diverse group of friends. You want someone whose point of view is different than yours because you learn from them. You know that's how you grow and change is to learn different things from people. And if you live in a little box, you don't learn anything. If you don't travel, if you don't go out into the world, if you don't meet people who are different than you. It's really easy to become an awful, awful person. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're just in these very intense times and I am imperfect and I fail at a lot of stuff and I say the wrong things sometimes, but I try and like listen and, and, and be there when I can. And that's all I can do in this situation. And that's all we can all do is listen to each other and be there for each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually, you know, now that you bring that up, I'm curious because like you, you, you don't do a ton of cons, but you, you've had some cons on your, on your schedule and, and knowing that you were going to be seeing fans in person and then having all of this craziness happen. And there you go, you're not going to be seeing them like, and how this changes, how maybe the next few years look for all of us in how we get to connect. Mm, yeah. I mean, Talking to you guys is more connection than I've had in quite a while. Um, <laughs> um, Same. This podcast is like my social hour when I'm recording. I'm like, oh, thank God I'm talking to people. Yes. Friends, finally. Yeah. No, it's a huge thing to like even just have a conversation and, and, and it not be about pandemic stuff, you know? <laughs> I just I just scratched out my next five questions. <laughs> so, so how do you think Tara would deal with a pandemic? Well, I think she oh would God. be making masks like no one's business. Oh, for sure. 
She'd be I, ripping up all her Renaissance festival gear, oh making no. masks. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Not the run fair dress. <laughs> <laughs> that course is going to look great on my face. That sounded really dirty. Um, <laughs> sorry. That's what I say to all my friends. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I mean, one of the wonderful things about the conventions is you get to to actually talk about how the show impacted people. And and it's so funny because you do conventions and it's always about the autograph. And I'm like, it has nothing to do with the autograph. No one really in their heart of hearts cares about my signature. They just want two minutes to like have a conversation and like mm-hmm. talk to the person that they saw on TV who was their friend Tara who was in their house every week. You know, that's what I want when I meet people that I'm fans of. I'm, I want a moment like the the autograph is just a way to facilitate that moment. Um, so I get to learn all kinds of amazing things and meet all kinds of amazing people. And my my experiences at cons have been really wonderful. Um, so I, you know, I miss not being able to have that personal connection. Um, I would much rather do that than have like a a whole back and forth on social media. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather have that, that five, two to five minutes of chat where I get to actually know you as a person and hear your story. Yeah. I miss that too. I miss it too. But I'm curious, how many, how many Tara tattoos have you seen over the years? Um, I've seen my face on people's legs a few times. (laughs) (laughs) You know, is that the weirdest fucking thing ever? Just like, just like take in. It's a little strange. I'm like, wow, uh, that beard on your calf that I'm wearing is pretty. Actually, I look like a full on like, was it hypercon- hypochondriosis or whatever it is with the, the excess hair? Like that's what because you know these guys with these big calves and your face and this hair and like it's <laughs> it's pirate Tara with a beard. <laughs> I'm sure it's a good look. <laughs> that's funny. I it's funny because I always. I mean, no shock here that I'm a huge Buffy nerd, but I don't have any Buffy tattoos because I always feel weird about getting like someone's face and I don't know what else I would get, but like getting someone's face, I'm always worried that that because it's someone else doing it, not even on you. It's like, what if that artist messed up and it like doesn't really look like Tara, you know, like just like someone else or like my, wherever I get it expands and then it like makes the face look weird. So I'm always like very <laughs> weary about getting someone's face. <laughs> Just get the Sunnydale sign, Ian. Yeah. Yeah. New anxieties every day. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you both knew what you were getting into doing this podcast with me. Um, Amber, I'm a very anxious gay man in case that wasn't clear. I would never have guessed. No, so shocking. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> um, okay, so to review some Buffy questions that I'm sure you've answered a hundred times. Um, what was your favorite like thing you got to do on Buffy either episode or just like a thing you got to act in or witness? <laughs> um, I'm just like, I'm like, what did I get to witness? That's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, it for me, it's always the musical episode. I know that is so like, trite at this point but that was my favorite episode it was so much fun it went on and on and on it was interminable like usually an episode would take eight days 
the the musical would not die. I would we would literally weeks later I would be shooting another episode and I'd come into my trailer at lunch and I'd see the dress hanging and I'd be like, oh, we're, <laughs> we're doing pickups. Got to get the corset on, Benson. Time to get all sassied up. Um, yeah, that thing would not die. We did pickups and second unit stuff for weeks and weeks and weeks after. Um, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I wanted to do every episode as a musical episode and everyone else was like, no. <laughs> I would have also been in favor of more musical episodes. Yeah. Well, now I feel like I have to ask, uh, Amber, have you ever had uh, nightmares about the Ren Faire dresses? <laughs> Oh my gosh, those dresses. Um, I'm trying to remember how it came into being. I think I was pushing to like have it be a like a pretty kind of like girly sort of, I don't know. And, and that's what we came up with was this sort of Ren fair version, which I love. I think it just, I don't know. I, I think I wanted like a fairy tale kind of thing going on. I was pushing for fairy tale since it's a fairy tale, really. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But man, that thing. I got sick of it. Like the corset, you couldn't breathe. They pull it really tight, you know, and I, I like all of my ribs. I don't want to lose them. I like my, <laughs> I like my organs being where they are, you know, like my stomach being kind of like where it normally is. I don't want it to shift over to the side. Like <laughs> no, 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 no weirdness for me in the body. I, I, I'm, I don't, that's why I don't have tattoos. Like no crazy piercings. I just like, I'm scared of anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy had Buffy had some very um interesting fashion moments and like very like recognizable fashion things. Like where do you think Tara fell into all of that? Um Tara definitely had some outfits. Um uh there was <laughs> she had outfits. There were some uh there were some uh, uh some lovely uh people who put together something called the kitten board which was um the witches and 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 uh, the cats in the very bad wardrobe, <laughs> which I was like, it's not very bad. It's just a very dated wardrobe when you look back. It has a very it's nineties, very late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, they spent a lot of money on those clothes. Those were not cheap clothes. Everyone was doing very well in the wardrobe department as far as like like price. <laughs> the price point was good. Um, you know, uh, I think there was this this push to make Tara like, like, like a more normal kind of girl. I I don't know. She wore very, very. I don't take the fifth. I take the fifth. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I think she had such interesting like her her wardrobe to me was like such a dichotomy because there were these times where you- that's the word for it. <laughs> <laughs> you would wear like. Outfits that I'd be like, oh, that's like late 90s, early aughts, like soft butch lesbian, like perfect, like nailed it. And then but then like she'd wear like like a Ren Faire dress or like something super like flowy and girly. It was like there were so many different parts of of Tara's, uh, you know, style that I think spoke to like queer women, especially. Oh, good. Maybe even gay men. What do you say? (laughs) I I mean, to me, yeah, I think. (laughs) like you both said uh they're of the time and i think because it's like a a supernatural show and it's like we're going i mean they're witches we're going for it i i always felt like and i mean you know growing up i was the only gay person that i really like knew knew um i i think I thought of it as like very like lesbian witch, but I think it more formed my like 
it formed what I thought of as lesbian mm-hmm. witch, not like, oh, I knew a lot of lesbian witches and that's what they wear. Like more. <laughs> <laughs> so like while while I think about that as like the like the lesbian witch outfit, I don't I think it might be Buffy made that gave me that opinion. <laughs> It's it's interesting. Because, Does that make sense, Dana? <laughs> uh, no, I was just saying it's it's interesting because you know um, our costume designer was fantastic, Cynthia, and I think you look at like the Buffy wardrobe and it was amazing. Like her stuff, like for for Buffy and for Spike and for for the more fashion forward of the characters were really on point and beautiful and really great. Um, I think some of it was a choice that wasn't wardrobe that it came from on high with Tara yeah. and Willow. Definitely. Yes. She, we, I had her on um, a few, like a month or two mm. ago, um, interviewed her and she's so sweet and she speaks very lovingly. And she even said with some of the outfits, sometimes she'll see a photo and be like, why did I pick that? But then other times she'll see the same photo and be like, Oh, I did a good job on yeah. that outfit. And like, it depends on her mood <laughs> as to whether she thinks she likes all the outfits or she didn't like them. You know, she goes, which I guess is, the way you feel about any work you do right yeah i mean they're definitely that's why i don't like to i don't watch i don't like to watch myself i've been forced at times yeah. but i really like it's just it's it's much better to act in a vacuum otherwise you sit there and judge yourself and then you can't really do your work because you're busy going wow when i make that face i look like a persimmon um <laughs> <laughs> latoya do you have do you have a favorite tara outfit do I have a favorite? See, I, we, I've been clowning on it the whole time, but like the Red Fair stuff is, it, it's iconic, honestly, to me. Totally, yeah. <laughs> it is. No, I totally agree with you. It definitely, like, it it, it, tra- it it transcended. It just, like, became this thing that people, like, loved. They loved that 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 prince, pretty princess outfit. They kept calling me the pretty princess everywhere I went. It's <laughs> like, all right, I'll take it. I'm the pretty princess. I don't feel like a pretty princess, but sure. I just like to imagine that, like in the morning, Tara takes like the longest to get ready, which you would not expect. <laughs> it's funny because I dress all that cinching. It's funny because I dress like a like like someone who, uh, as as I think my mom called me. She's like, sometimes you dress like you don't have a home, like a like a homeless lady, <laughs> um, and that's true. Sometimes I do. Um, the the fashion stuff was always missed like i missed it i i didn't under like i'm just not a fashion person i don't understand it it's it's i i like oh that looks nice and i was like that's like neon yellow you can't wear that with like neon like purple and polka dots and some plaid i'm like yeah but it's colorful they're like yeah that doesn't mean (laughs) you just because it's colorful doesn't mean you want to wear it all together benson um but i have oh i have a true style icon, Amber yeah, Benson. Yeah, true, true lack of style icon is me. Um, so she's actress, style icon, and now prolific writer, Aww. which is what I would like to to talk to you about. Like, how did how did your experience with Buffy like inform your feelings and your your direction as a writer? Well, it definitely. It's so funny because I think back to those times, and I was so. I so badly wanted to be Joss Whedon. Like I really looked up to him when I first started on the show because I was Mm. like, he's doing what I want to do. Like he is running a show. He is taking the things in his head and he's making them manifest. And he is, you know, the king of that world. You get to do what you want. And I was like, I want to do that. 
Um, and I think that was that was very eye opening to me because until then I did I hadn't really done any television and I didn't understand what a showrunner was. I was like, I want to make movies. I'm going to be a director because the director is where the buck stops in film, whereas in television, although that is changing a little bit, but until recently it has been the showrunner. That's where the bucks, they are the person, the arbiter of what the show is in many ways. They make the big decisions, things fall or, or, or fail or succeed on, on their shoulders in a lot of, a lot of instances. Um, so that was a very, mind opening thing to me because you know back then you couldn't do tv and film you were one or the other and that was just the beginning of people kind of going back starting to go back and forth but it's like oh you're on a tv show that's the end of your film career or you're a film person you can't do tv um mm. and so yeah so it, it sort of changed my my perspective on that for sure and then um for the first time in my life i was actually making decent money and so I could make my own stuff. And so that opened a lot of doors for me. That, that, that the freedom, I mean, and that's a, that's a thing we talk about a lot, that some people, some people are constantly scraping just to put food on the table. And then if you are just so fucking lucky, you make enough that you can have food on the table and do a creative thing that moves you. And that is, that is a very lucky, lucky thing. I am so lucky that I, got, that I get to do that stuff. Um, so Buffy opened doors for me and gave me a freedom that I up until then hadn't really had the freedom to make my own things and to be creative and still be able to support my family and myself, which is huge. It's a huge right. gift. And yeah. I want you to know, I'm st I'm stalking your IB, I, I am DB right now <laughs> and witches of echo park is going to be turned into a series. A TV series? Yeah, we are we are in process. We've written a pilot and a Bible, and we have a director attached who I can't name, but she's a big deal. And uh, oh, wow, yeah, shit, Amber, congrats. thank you. Yeah, it's it's a really wonderful thing, and I think the reason I'm so excited about it, and I really hope we get to make a pilot, is that um, there's a chance to be diverse in this world. It is about a group of disparate women mm -hmm. from all different walks of life, across the board, and that's the show the show is is not a bunch of white women doing witchy things it's it's a it's about how do we how do we come together this group of different women to support each other and be a found family and that's really important to me yeah totally how women i feel like so often women's stories are around oh we're all fighting over this guy or this relationship or this job or it's this catty sort of mean spirited bitchery which is fun and has this place but I think to balance it, we need stuff that is about how do we work together? How do we have an intersectional sort of women together in a positive way? And so that's something we want to explore, which is that's really important to us. So, Well, Amber, just let the lesbians know that you are trying to make this series <laughs> and they will... They will make it happen. They will do whatever they can. You have can. an empathic lesbian, Clem. Oh, I know. So I know. I've read the series. She has a new name. She was Daniela in the books, and she's Clem Clementine in the uh, in the show. I was I was about to ask, what's that like? Because you started this series, what, like six years ago? Longer than that. <laughs> More than that. I've had my books right. for like a decade. 
Well, so what's that like revisiting something that you had started so long ago? Is there stuff you're like, okay, I can change this. Is there stuff you're like, Oop, nope, can't change this. Um, well, you know, the, the problem with being an author and then try and I'm sure, you know, cause you guys all have experience writing in different mediums. I think even like, like I was yeah. looking, I was looking you up Latoya. It sounds like you're, you're in my TV world. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's hard, right, to take something that you've conceived in a different medium and translate it into to something else. Um, and so I couldn't see the forest for the trees. Personally, it was just hard for me to like get out of the books. And so I, I actually uh, started collaborating with my friend Mo Perkins. She's a writer director um, who I know from Slam Dance. She her film Quiet Little Marriage won Slam Dance the year before a film that I co-directed called Drones uh, premiered. And uh, we've been friends for a long time. And she and I developed the show together. And it was really nice to have somebody who's like, okay, the books are wonderful and they are their own thing. And of course, you know, like they were written a long time ago. So there's, there's problematic stuff in the books too. So we're being very mindful about right. what, mm -hmm. what we talk about and how we talk about stuff. Um, but collaborating with her has been a dream. And then now, you know, having this director attached to... Um, Comes from a different vampire world, shall we say? Hmm, a very big vampire world. <clears throat> hmm. uh, and my eyebrows are. And raised. collaborating with her, <laughs> like her lookbook is incredible. It's so beautiful. Like she just gets the show. She gets the world, and uh, it's just been this incredible collaboration, all the way across the board. And seeing, you know. And that's why when I was talking about Buffy, like it's always a collaboration. Yes, it starts with me and my idea or with Joss and his idea. But when you make, you know, television or film, it's visual, it's aural, it's, <laughs> I said that in a really weird way, aural, it's aural, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's oral, it's aural, I give up. Uh, what are words? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's a collaboration and people are going to, to yeah. take things and, and do them in a different way than I ever would. Like actors are going to, to totally use use dialogue in a different way than I, you know, they'll say it differently than I would conceive. And it'll be better because they know the character. So that's that's really cool, though. Um, congrats. I look forward to. Yeah. Keep your fingers, nose and toes is crossed. We want to have, you know, <laughs> if we get to make it, we want to have a really diverse writer's room. Like we want to use. Well, you got. You got you three know. writers here that would be very open to working with you. And <laughs> I, love it. I 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 love it. No, that stuff's really, it's really important. Like we are at a, we are at a crossroads. And if we don't start changing how we do business, our business is going to die. Like, I don't need to see another, another like white dude running around. Like I need to see other voices and I'm ready. Like we, and, and I have to be that change, you know, if I get into a position where I have a little power, I need to do the hiring the right way. And that's really, really important. And that is the onus is on every creative person who's making stuff to be mindful of that and to fight the fight for it. You, you know, um, so I, I'm sure, you know, Drew Greenberg also executive producer on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of course. We, we did a round table, me, him and Ming-Na Wen did a roundtable discussion for the podcast about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we were talking about like what shows we've been watching. And I, I said, I was like, you know, because Ming-Na Wen was saying that she rewatched Breaking Bad and asked if mm -hmm. I watched it. And I was like, you should watch Claws because it's like Breaking Bad, but like diverse, centered on a black woman yep. and very queer. Um, 
And I said, it's basically Breaking Bad, but for gays and women. Um, and she was like, oh, I'm going to write that down. And I said that, like, I'm just tired of watching shows centered around straight men. And Drew was like, yep, me too. Um, and I, <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, it's we have to, like, push for this content to get out there because yeah. it's easy. I, I mean, not that I'm speaking from experience. I don't know anything about selling a show. But I'm sure a lot of these, like, head ups are just like, well, that'll it'll work better with a straight guy. But, like, if we push for more... I don't know. And I'm, I'm glad that someone like you is in that position, Amber, because I would 100% trust you to do something like that and make it diverse. And yeah, well, the onus is on me as an entitled white woman to do better. You know, like I have benefited from the color of my skin and I need to do better. You know, that's everybody's everybody needs to. <sighs> Amber, this is really refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we. Uh, I had one more Buffy question for you. Um, we kind of briefly talked about this before, but were you asked to come back as the first evil in season seven? Because there's always been rumors that you did and you didn't <laughs> want to. And I've just figured to set the record straight and hear it from you. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was asked to come back. Um, and for a myriad of different reasons, I made the decision not to. Um, some are personal, some are work-based. I was about to go to London to record The Ghost of Albion, uh, an animated show that Christopher Golden and I created for the BBC um, and uh, starred like Emma Sams and Anthony Daniels. And it was just like an incredible, incredible group of people and, and Patterson Joseph. And like, we just, ugh, it was awesome. Uh, and I was going to be directing it and directing was something at that time that I thought that that's what I wanted to be doing was to, to was to be a director. Um, that's changed since since then. I like I said now I, I I realized like making making a TV show and sort of being the de facto showrunner directory person is is very exciting to me because you can tell a story over a long period of time versus like a two hour little block. Um, yeah. But uh, but at the time I thought like this is very important to me and I was you know I was about to to embark on that so. That was really a big part of why I didn't come back. And, you know, we had talked about her being the big bad and I had been getting, and I know they had to, a lot of really emotional response to her death. And I wasn't really sure how it was going to play out. And I, I just, it just didn't feel 100% right. And I kept saying no, partly because of that. And there were like, there were some other personal things that I won't get into why I didn't want to come back. Um, but those were the main sort of, that was the main thrust of it. And, you know, financially, in the end, it probably would have been a better choice to go back. But for me, you know, sometimes your your mental health is, is important. Yeah. Well, I can say as a fan, I'm grateful that you didn't because it would have really, I think it really, really messed me up. It was, yeah. it was a tough, I think... To be honest with you, I think Joss was really trying to make amends for what he had done with the character. Mm -hmm. I truly, whatever we want to say about Joss Whedon, I spent a lot of time with him and I don't think he was trying to hurt anybody purposefully. I really, like, people get very upset about it and I completely empathize and understand. But having spent time with him, this man is about story and he loves Willow. Like, that is a very important character to him. I think there is a big part of him that is Willow. And the only way to do that Dark Willow storyline was to destroy that relationship, to for her to hit bottom and lose everything. 
this very like powerful addiction storyline, this, this like very powerful, you know, like oh, a woman getting vengeance, like all this stuff he wanted to give to Willow. And I think this was the way that creatively felt like the right way to him. Um, we also weren't in a time when people were talking about the trope of killing your gays. Like that was not, that was yeah. not in the lexicon in the same way it is now. Um, just like with, with Buffy and all those shows in the, the nineties and early aughts, as, as Dana said, um, uh, we weren't diverse. Like it was not a diverse show in that way. Like it was a very white show. Um, if it was being made now, I guarantee you it would not be. Like that's just right. people. It, I don't think Joss would have made it that way. I don't think the the team behind it would have made it. You know, it just wouldn't be. That's why I've I've been very excited about the reboot, the idea that a woman of color will show run it and create a, a generation of slayers that speaks to the society that we live in is very enticing and yeah. exciting to me. Um, that's a story I want to see. Um, yeah, but I truly don't think his in, his intentions were Machiavellian, shall we say, Machiavellian. Um, Arl, Machiavellian. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, he did put my name in the opening titles, which is a big kind of like, screw you, sort of like, I'm screw not yeah. screw you, but I'm screwing with you kind of thing. Right, yeah. Like, he likes I mean, to play. Yeah. 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 He likes yeah. to play. Yeah. You know, I think he thought it was funny. And I don't... Mm -hmm. I, he, he would never have done that had he realized what it was going to do. I, I truly believe that. Even just for self-preservation, if he had, had any inkling that he was going to get faxed hate mail. Faxed. Oh, faxed. Man, I miss the 90s. <laughs> faxed hate mail. Can you believe that? What a that? wild time. Um, if he had had any inkling of that, his, his self-preservation would have been like, why do that to yourself? That's stupid. <laughs> even from a selfish point of view and and i'm and i i just don't think it was not intentionally but it sure did impact and it started a, a movement yeah well it's funny uh latoya and dana have co-hosted a lot of episodes especially in season six with me and we talked a lot about how it could have been different mm -hmm. um and it kind of my we all like went through and like how could it have been different to get willow to that point yeah um i think dana you said xander could have died right <laughs> yeah. um that's like the my popular only, opinion I, at this point yeah um <laughs> and my my only opinion and i love him of course would be giles like yeah. i couldn't think of another way to write that where willow because we can't kill buffy because she's a star and we've already killed her right like yeah, five times. You can't do that again <laughs> i mean they could right. they, they could um, I, I, I won't, I've been thinking about that a lot, especially diving into the podcast, uh, diving into the season six in the podcast of how it could have been done without Tara dying, which I, I don't know that I write, I don't know what the answer would be. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I do think about that. And we talked about it a lot over like what character could have, like what character had a full storyline where they're like, you know, and I, I do think it is a, it is something to think about how it would have been different now as opposed to like the way it was back then. And I, I think I agree with you, Amber, about everything you said, like that it wasn't quite, because I, I can remember reading on, you know, because it was online, you had to go to like a website yeah. to read maybe a, a message board. Um, and I remember reading all the different like mixed feelings about it at the time. I can remember the websites, one website that I like loved that was like a Buffy fan site that was like, you know, 
this this shows that the show is homophobic and me being like i don't think that's what this is but i I can understand why people like felt that hurt you know oh a hundred percent i think if he had had a game plan if he had been like okay we're going to do what we did with Buffy. We're going to kill Tara and then we're going to bring her back and it's going to be a whole thing and it was all planned out and she's going to come back because Willow brings her back, but that's bad magic and it's going to ruin their relationship, you know, whatever. Anything, anything but what he did, which was not have a plan. Any kind of plan would have been a better, right. you know, but he just did it and then had no like, like no like plan to fix it and to like, yeah. Uh, you can do anything in Buffy. You know what I mean? Right. Like you can but do that's anything. all that's all too often what happens in these bury your gay situations. Is like yeah. a gay gets buried and we don't know really why, why or, or and then yeah. and then like, oh shit, people are pissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, just know they're gonna be pissed and say, here's why I'm doing it, here's how I'm gonna fix it. We're gonna go on a journey together. Like, I have a plan. There's a reason why this is happening, and it's not going to be them dead forever. Just so you know, I did write that fan fiction. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% curious I wrote that fan fiction. <laughs> there, 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 look, it's, you know what's the most disrespectful thing? And you, you said it, Dana. Um, it's, not, it's not caring enough about those characters to have a game plan for them. Mm-hmm. It's disrespectful. Yeah. If you respected them and then you made people who identify with them feel respected. They'll go on the journey with you. Not everything totally. is, is happy and positive. Bad things happen all the fucking time. Right. And yeah. that doesn't mean that we can't tell dark stories. We can tell dark mm-hmm. stories if we're respectful of the characters and of the fans and the people who are being impacted, especially in a time when there isn't that representation. When people cling to these characters because they have no others out there Were there you know and and yes it, it cracked the glass ceiling and it opened the door and for that i think we have to be really grateful to joss he opened that door you know he he yeah. wanted those characters to be in that relationship and he showed them as two human beings who had a real relationship who were basically raising dawn you know yeah. like he did that how he he was not yeah. respectful in the end though and I think I didn't think I could love and appreciate you more than I already do, but there you go. Yeah, Jesus, Amber, that's a very nuanced take on that, and I really appreciate hearing that yeah. because I think you're being incredibly fair on all counts. Well, I think we live in a world where we have this cancel culture stuff, and I think there are people that do egregious things, and they shouldn't be allowed to 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 right. do those things, and they should be they should be helped. They need help. There are people that do awful things that like it just doesn't. But then there is a vast majority of people who do bad things thoughtlessly. They just say stupid stuff. And I'm definitely guilty of it. Like I have definitely said stupid fucking shit. Excuse my French again. Sorry, France. <laughs> excuse my excuse my Alabamian. Um but uh but this idea that like we have to destroy people because they did something wrong, does not give us right. the place to learn and grow and change. And like I said, there are people who, who deserve to be, you know, as they say, canceled because they've done something that yeah. you can't come back from. But the majority of people are just thoughtless. It's casual, like Charisma Carpenter has coined this term and I think she got it from somebody else, but it's true. There are people who are just casually cruel. They do things mm. in this casual, cruel way 
And I don't, th I don't even think they realize how hurtful it is. Sometimes they do, but sometimes it's just thoughtless. And that to me is the problem we have in this society. Like when we talk about systemic racism and bias and, 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 and transphobia and homophobia and stuff, it's because there's so many people who are thoughtless. They are raised in a society that deals with things a certain way. And we don't think outside that. We just like, oh, that's just how it is. And that's where we have to change. We have to start thinking differently and we have to start holding ourselves accountable you know, to this casual cruelty that we, we live as, as a society. We have to be accountable. We have to learn and grow. But that doesn't mean we just, we just take people out because of it. I, I often consider that um, I, a friend of mine and I both had dated the same guy who's kind of shitty. Um, and we both had <laughs> talked about how we both talked about how he's kind of a dick and how basically that it's like and like is it on purpose that he was a dick or is it that like they're just not they don't know what they're doing right they're just like casually doing it without being called out um and we had this talk about how like intent over if, they, if the intention is there if you should still be mad at them the same way if the intention wasn't there and honestly i don't know the answer i think for me i try to reel myself into is there intent like, what's the intent behind this? And if it isn't, like, malicious, if it's more ignorance, I try to be a little bit more fair. I mean, when it comes to, like, someone doing something to me. I don't mean doing stuff to other people. Um, so I try to, like, remember that nuance there when I'm getting mad at someone or when I'm upset about a thing that's happened to me. I try to, like, think about the layer of what is the intent here? Was this malicious? Was this done without thinking? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So I think it is really important to remember, just in general, like not even speaking to a specific whoever, but you know what I mean. Like in general, I think it is important to try to think about that when you're upset at someone or you know feeling some kind of way about a thing someone did. I think it is important to try to recognize those the differences, and that's not me landing one way or the other on anything particular. But you know what I mean. I think that like layer of nuance is important to have. I think it's also about how people respond when you call them out and you say, hey, you hurt me. Yeah. And they may not know that they hurt you or maybe they might know they hurt you. And But calling it out and how they respond, um, I think is a very valuable thing. You, you'll see how, they, how they're thinking. You know what I mean? I'm reading this uh, really interesting book called um, Difficult Conversations. It's by like the Harvard negotiation team. And it's all about how we were, because I hate confrontation. I hate having these kind of conversations. I hate it. I will walk a mile in the snow with no shoes on to avoid them. Um, but if you don't stand up and say, hey, um, then you don't learn anything. And I think these difficult conversations are more about, they should, the book posits you should talk about them as learning conversations because oftentimes two people are responsible. And sometimes it's allowing the person to behave that way. And sometimes it's contributing to the bad behavior. Sometimes there are people that do awful things and you just have to like, not be a, like, you have to say, I'm not going to be in this with you. Like we're done. And that's how you deal. You yeah. know, so often though, it's how do I learn from this? How do I, how do I impact change? Um, we're in such a divided time. I'm babbling like a ding dong. Sorry, you guys. I'm getting up on soapboxes and like <laughs> not at all. Not a, this I, is wonderful. I, I appreciate a soapbox. I'm like, I'm gonna keep this conversation in mind next time a showrunner says they didn't know about the barrier gay um, trope. 
How do you not uh, know? know? Are you blind? Which, they, say they, say that that they say that all the time, yet uh, I am friends with a lot of uh, TV writers and writer's assistants, and especially the writer's assistants. They will specifically, you know, they will try to say something. They will chime in, and then the showrunner will do it anyway. Um, and then they'll say, oh, I didn't know. They knew. Of course they knew. I'm friends with with um, with Javi from when he was a writer on The 100, and yeah. You know, like Javi has owned it and he knew and he was he was verbal about it, you know? Uh, the 100 was just a mess all around, though. Yeah. No, yeah Javi like, ate a lot of shit for that that wasn't, well, Javi didn't deserve to take as much I of agree. the blow as he did, but he graciously did. Because, because we're all in it together. And when you are part of something and you have no power in it, all you can do is, 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 is talk about it and help people through it afterward. You know, like you're, you guys know when you're the writer, you're not the creator showrunner or just the showrunner, you have no power. You really don't have any power, especially in the way network television is run. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and Javi is a good person who I know very, very well. We're in a writer's group together and he is one of those human beings who helps others. Like he helps other writers. He helps people of color. He helps women. You know, he is, he is a good egg and he, he, he's like, I was participating. I have to, I have to own it. Even if it, it wasn't something I wanted to do, I have to own it. And he did. And I respect the shit out of him for it because he didn't have to. Right. Cause it would have been easy to be like, I didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, they did it. I, I just... had nothing to do with it, but he made himself part of the, 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 the solution instead of part of the problem. Amber Benson, you're also a good egg. <laughs> oh, thank you. I try. I try and stay a little soft boiled. I get a little hard boiled and start talking too much, but <laughs> uh so speaking of because i you mentioned that you think that there was they were trying to do a lot of like corrective work in season seven kind of like making up for tara's death i do think um i i think i, I can't remember i think latoya data might uh kick me off my own podcast <laughs> i i will defend kennedy kennedy as like you had to bring it up Ian. <laughs> i know i had to uh, as Ian. like willow's rebound that's like not her forever love but I wanted to get your thoughts on <laughs> Kennedy Amber. No, I mean I I I know exactly what Yari went through because like that was what I dealt with. Everyone loves Seth. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I've told this story before because it's very funny. I was at that po one of those posting board parties and and I go into the bathroom and I'm peeing and I hear two people outside at the sinks talking about how much they love Oz, they hate Tara, they wish, you know, Oz would come. They didn't hate Tara, but they were just like anti, you know, they, it's Willow and Oz. And I'm sitting in there going, okay, right. I'm done peeing. I've wiped. How am I getting out of this situation? And they just were talking and talking. So finally I had to get out. Of the, I couldn't just live in the store. I mean, I could have just get oh my, my mail there. I'm there now. I'm at the American Legion Hall in Hollywood hanging out. Um, but I came out of the bathroom and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, but like, that's what I was dealing with. It was the same thing. I think she, you know, she only had a season to try and like win everybody over. And that wasn't, enough. it wasn't until my second season that people started to really warm to Tara. They didn't like her. They said she was fat. They didn't like her. She was oh. weird. You know, like they were mean. People were really mean about her, you know? Oh. God. And Ayari's like so sweet. Latoya and I were on a panel with her last She's year. Um, we did like a Slayerfest panel. She's so sweet. She speaks yeah, French. Is, uh, <laughs> being on the panel with her uh, allowed me to uh, massage my feelings on Kennedy, where I will be like, okay, I can allow it as she is very hot. And uh, I support that for Willow. 
Um, but I, I still don't support, you know, uh, the way someone who is uh, living in your best friend's home rent free uh, treats said best friend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Amber, what have you been reading and watching during quarantine? Um, let's see. I just watched a really kick. Oh, I'm turning into my mom. It was kick ass. My mom says that now, and I've started taking it on. Um. We got my mom Acorn. It's happening. <laughs> we got my mom Acorn to watch. It's all British mysteries all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I watched one with her called Mystery Road. That is awesome. It's uh, Judy Davis. And um, oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. He is fantastic. And it's very much he is um, an, an Aboriginal cop. And it's dealing with this small town and how i've seen it it's so good yes it's so good yeah on his name he's so good and i was like who is he and then i was like oh he was in jack irish he's awesome um why am i blanking on his name where is it where is it come back aaron peterson is it yeah i was just looking at the at the imdb (laughs) he's amazing he's so good and the show is really really thoughtful you know, it, it opens up a lot of stuff about race and and it's really it says a lot in the context of a like kind of f- fluffy noir not fluffy, but more of like a noir sort of like cozy mystery environment. It's really, really okay. thoughtful and good. Um, I did have a little bit of I was on a little sure about the end, but the rest of it I really liked. <laughs> I always have issues with some of the, you know, um. But so I was watching that and then I'm reading the uh, how to have difficult conversations. Oh, Lord. I don't want to have any difficult <laughs> conversations with anybody. I just want to have happy, happy, joy, joy con- conversations. Um, and uh, let's see. Um, I'm very excited because I just uh, ordered Zerlina Maxwell's uh, new book. Um, and oh, I just saw you tweeted about that before we started. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see what she has to say because I feel like our political system definitely needs some help. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, to say the least, yeah. <laughs> the end of white politics uh, is the name of the book. And then uh, I also just ordered my um, uh, We Are We Are Friends through the Ripped Bodice. Oh, great bookstore fantastic fantastic bookstore here in LA romance bookstore but it has everything it does everything and uh uh, Rebecca Weatherspoon um has a new book that I just ordered you can get a signed copy from Rip Bodice and uh so I'm looking forward to reading that that is on my list and uh nice so yeah well, speaking of writing, how are you staying creative in all of this? Because I know two extremes. Either people are being super creative or they just they just can't. Um, yeah. I have been working on witches stuff the whole way through and uh, working on some other stuff. I was finishing up a Lifetime movie that I, I was writing, uh, which was kind of amazing that, uh, that it's, it's based on an Anne Rule uh, true crime story and Robin Givens directed it's her first directorial uh, debut awesome. mm-hmm. um, a murder to remember I think is what they're calling it I just called it the Stockholm I would syndrome. hope one remembers all the murders yes, but yes <laughs> um, but uh, so I was th- they were shooting that in Georgia when we were 
getting ready to lock down for the pandemic. So what was supposed to be mm. like a 14 day shoot became a 12 day shoot. And so they didn't get to film everything, you know, everything they wanted to film. And so I was doing some cleanup, creating some voiceover and some other pieces, not voiceovers, additional dialogue and stuff sort of mm. to sort of, you know, patchwork quilted together a little better since there were a couple of pieces that they weren't able to get. Um, so I've been, I've been busy. I've been, a, I've been a busy bee and then I'm getting ready to do uh, uh, like a, my friend Sarah Kuhn has her, her heroine, haunted heroine book comes out on the ninth and we're doing a, a panel, the ripped bodice online. And so. Oh, cool. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. It'll be really fun. Um, she and Sean and McGuire and myself. And uh, so I, you know, I'm trying to be creative and I did uh, the retrospects, uh, Julie Pleck, uh, Buffy, spec that she wrote we read it and oh yeah. you know it was really fun i got to be anya which was like <laughs> such a trip you know I, I tried that is a heart like emma is amazing i don't know like it's really like intense to like try and be her she's so freaking funny and good and i tried i failed but i tried um <laughs> We did a we did a reading of the unaired pilot and Dana was Willow and Latoya was Cordelia. <laughs> I put so much effort into that role. I hope I didn't fuck it up. I doubtful, <laughs> very very doubtful. I'm sure you nailed it. <laughs> Amber Benson Slayer Fest's encouraging mom. <laughs> I think we all got to get out of our comfort zones. Like I'm terrified to be Emma. Like it's terrifying to you know like these people who are so talented. You're just like I can't do justice. You're so good. But we try, and it's good. It stretches us. It stretches us to be other people. Well, Amber, thank you for joining us. This was really wonderful. I really always love talking to you. Uh, Dana and LaToya, thank you for being my wonderful co-host, as always. You're welcome. Um, and if you all liked SlayerFest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. You can support us on patreon which helps uh keep the podcast going and we have special mini episodes you can listen to um and on social media we are at slayerfest x 98 my personal is at ian x carlos uh amber where can everyone find you um i try not to be on social media too much um it gets a little intense uh but uh but you can find me i guess my my name amber underscore benson on twitter and uh i have uh it's Let's see. How do I have it on Instagram? I'm looking because I did my name. It's, your it's name backwards, backwards, right? Backwards. Yeah, yeah, it's um, but but I, did I, is it Rebma underscore Nosneb? Is that what it is? Yeah, I'm such a weirdo. Yep, Rebma <laughs> underscore Nosneb. There we go. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm impressed that you were able to say that. Oh, this is you know every kid does that, right? We all like see our our stuff backwards. <laughs> Not when you have a name like Pickley, you don't. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to work on that. Uh, Dana. Okay, forget it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dana, where can everyone find you? Oh, hold on. My dog's about to lose her shit. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. No, 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 no. There Give me one minute. Girl. You can find me at <laughs> da- Oh. <laughs> Loose. So funny. Loose. <laughs> You can find me at Dana Pickley. That's uh, Dana Pickley, two C's, one L. <laughs> and Latoya, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Lafergs, L-A-F-E-R-G-S. Um, and from there, you can find all my writing. I am currently recapping Doom Patrol for Vulture. 
uh, and of course running RondaRousey.com and working on sketches there. And I have my podcast now, uh, the Empire Diaries, uh, Vampire Diaries Rewatch podcast. Um, you can go to Amp Diaries Pod on Twitter. I was just about to be like, you better promo your new podcast. I'm doing it. <laughs> Jesus, I have so much to plug. Oh, shit. Uh, and uh, yeah, Queer Media Matters, queermediamatters.com. <laughs> yes, also visit Dana's new site. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Oh, thank you guys all so much. <laughs>